When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Directing traffic from the base of the ruck, it's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Rugby Run on SCNZ. Yeah, I think that kind of sums it up. Uh, This is the rugby run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall out of Wellington Airport with you. Uh, Marshy, I think fair to say uh, the the highlights of last night started and ended with uh, Frankie Stevens singing the national anthem. How you doing? (laughs) Yeah, good afternoon, Ricardo. Good afternoon to everybody uh, joining us on the Bunning Strade Rugby Run here on Sunday afternoon. Yep, look, no doubt about it, uh, it's a... It's a sombre day for All Black Rugby uh, this afternoon. Uh, many people will be, I guess, trying to reflect and think about how it went wrong and how it went so right for Ireland. Uh, I don't know, I'm still trying to process it myself, but, um, yeah, it's very much a, uh, it's a, it's very much, I guess, a situation where we go, where to from here? Mm. Where to from here? Yeah, I mean, it is. I don't know if you've read um, Scott Stevenson's spin-off article um, about about the game, but I, I think he he summed it up pretty well when he, you know he said we've got some some players who are capable of brilliant things, but they seem to lack a, a, gen, a, a team direction, and they didn't seem to really know what they were doing out there at times uh, as a collective, and and that is is the problem. Yeah, no, I didn't catch it, mate. But uh, I think probably the thing that I'm trying to process is, you know, look, looking at the messages coming out of the All Blacks camp, this is a very good island side. Let's give them credit. They are a very good side. 
we, we, you know, we have to pay them respect. It's like, yeah, but so are the All Blacks. Mm. And we have our history. And we are supposedly the best side in the world on our day. But quite, quite comprehensively over three test matches, and I mean this from the first test, and I think many people who know the game and know it well were slightly worried coming out of that test match that a, I guess it was a 20-point-ish flattering margin showed the All Blacks being quite dominant. But if you look into that detail a little bit more, and I think we discussed it, Ricardo, that, that, that was not as comprehensive as what many people thought. So the bounce back in Dunedin didn't take me by surprise. And then, obviously, the series on the line last night was very much uh, a, a side that were capable of beating us. I, I don't um, make any qualms about saying that. And many people going to that test match and talking about it were thinking the same way. And as the way the result paid out, uh, you know, the, the better team did win. But the problem in all of that is why are they a better team? And how have they all of a sudden become a better team than the All Blacks? And why have all of a sudden the All Blacks become a team that is probably, at the moment, not in the top three in the world? Yeah, well, exactly, mate. It's uh, That's the question. Um, and I, I have to say that I think, you know, if you go back to the World Cup when we lost that game to the Poms in Japan, um, it feels like, at the time, obviously that was Steve Hansen's last game, I, I mean, I thought that New Zealand rugby should have put a, a broom through the, the back room, if you like, uh, and and got a fresh voice because I thought Foster has been a big as part of, bigger part of that as Hanson, and it, and it all felt a bit stale. But it almost feels like the way we lost that game has been in Foster's head the whole time, and all he's been trying to do is rectify that and try and play a game that would win a game that we can't win anymore because it was two years ago, and rugby's moved on and we haven't, and we've become very predictable. I think he's very well aware, Ian Foster, that we needed to evolve. Yeah, and there's no doubt that through that um, magnificent period that the All Blacks had uh, under Steve Hansen and, and started by Graham Henry, that we were the innovators. The, the All Blacks were the, the, the team that the rest of the world were trying to make up ground towards. I think subsequently since Rugby World Cup, not, not only did the All Blacks get worked out, let, let, let's think about both campaigns. Let's think about the All Blacks campaign in 2019 and the Irish campaign in 2019 under Joe Smith. They had had some success and some success success against the All Blacks. They go to the Rugby World Cup and were quite conclusively one of the worst sides at the Rugby World Cup. They Not only did the All Blacks spank them, they got beaten by Japan as well. They had horrific, horrific tournaments and, and got blown out by the All Blacks in the quarterfinals. Got rid of Joe Schmidt and Andy Farrell come in. And when Andy Farrell came in, and Peter O'Mahony said it last night when Ian Smith, uh, I think it was Mills Molina, interviewed him uh, post-game. And um, he said it, and also Johnny Sexton said it as well. Both players said Andy Farrell didn't get it all his own way, basically, they said at the start. At the start. He kept some older players. Uh, and, and he got criticised. Then he brought some younger players in. He got criticised for that. And he was a work in progress. But bang, all of a sudden, he's, cre- he's developed a team that has got themselves to number two in the world. Where have the All Blacks gone since then? Mm-hmm. Well, we've lost to Argentina for the first time in our history. We've lost 
I don't know how many. Uh, well, we've lost five test matches out of eight against Ireland. Um, we got beaten by France on the India tour as well as Ireland again. Uh, we lost to South Africa in the middle of last year. Have we evolved? Have we changed? And quite clearly, you're going to give the time a little bit of process to go, right, new coach, he's going to give his own ideas. Yes, he was under the own regime, but now he's got the responsibility. So we're going to take, we might have to take a little bit of pain to, to get on with where we want to go. But we are way, way, way behind where Ireland were when they started their process. And again, the question is why? Yeah, I, I, I think you've summed it up really well, mate. And even if you look back, you know, you, we talk about that first test that the All Blacks did win, the, the only one that they've won in the last five um, and was also the only one that Ian Foster wasn't part of, which I don't know if, how, if that says anything, Justin, but um, if you go back to the, those two tests against the, the Springboks, I mean, that test we won against the Box at the time felt like the first test against Ireland. We got out of jail in that game. We probably didn't deserve to win it. Um, so... You know that yep. the, the warning signs yep. were there, right? You could see it. I certainly agree. Look, I, I, the warning signs have been there, and it was about whether or not we could grasp the concept of okay. You know, you got well, let, let's cut in Foster a little bit of slack because he's not inherited a team. He's he's got the same team with the nucleus of players that have been so successful in the past. But you take a couple of greats out of that mix, and Richie McCaw and Dan Carter, um, Martin Nonu, Conrad Smith. You know, they, they leave huge holes in, in your arsenal. So you go, it's going to take a little bit of time to fill that void, no doubt about it. But unfortunately, we, we are now two years in, and we're two years in after some sketchy performances where the New Zealand Rugby Union, they have to take responsibility for this, Ricardo. They they had a basically ultimatum meeting where Ian Foster was up for review because they obviously did that little two-year, we'll have a look and then go from there and they still thought that everything was okay. Mm. And they also appointed him. So, you know, there, there, there's a massive responsibility that also falls on who's governing the All Blacks as well as who is coaching them. Because somewhere the process is broken down. Now, this is difficult for me to say. Ian Foster is a bloody good bloke. I don't know if you've known him um, at all, Ricardo, bumped into him, spoken to him, but you couldn't actually meet a nicer guy. Uh, and people go, yeah, but nice guys don't often get the job done. Well, that, that's not relevant in my mind. Like it, a nice guy is a guy that will speak to you, will open um, up, and when you ask him questions, he'll answer them. Um, the, pop, the problem with, with uh, the, the situation as it is at the moment is he's, gonna, he's falling on the sword simply because all of what's happening around him has led him to this equation, which was obviously the backing of the New Zealand Rugby Football Union and also the selectors. Like, if you're a coach, yeah, You've got to pick your players that ultimately, if you don't get it right, it's your responsibility. But the All Black selectors, of all, there's, there's players that are in that team that probably shouldn't be there. Now, that's a big statement, I know. But I, I did, and I, many people you would know who called in to talk back weren't utterly convinced about the players that were put in that side mm. and that Ian Foster was trusting to be All Blacks and to go out there 
and win us a Test Series against Ireland and therefore move on and win us a World Cup. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors at play in the whole equation and the biggest problem is all of them are off off offline. Everything at the moment isn't lining up and that is a real worry because it makes me wonder, well, how the hell are we going to get them all in sync? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a, that's a really good question. We had a text in uh, from Chris on double eight double three, the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, Foster had six months to plan for this first test. Ireland's coach had a week. They yep. won the series. It's not like people didn't see this coming. Look at England cricket. New coach, new outlook. It's valid, you know, absolutely. And, and and the All Blacks did have a big period to prepare. And they actually went out of the norm by naming an All Black side when there was still a Super Rugby final to play, which mm. many people, including myself, went, hmm, that's a bit on the nose. I don't know if that's good timing. But they did that simply because then they had the ability to pull all of those players that weren't in that Super Rugby final for an extra week of preparation. Now, we can't blame our preparation for what's happened because Ireland had much worse situation. You know, they they, did, they hadn't played also since the start of the year. Uh, they had come off a massive season. Uh, they arrived, I think, in New Zealand on a Sunday and a Monday before the Māori game on a Wednesday and then had a test match on the weekend. So, and they had to acclimatise and adjust. And I know and many do, what that travel's like, because I, I dealt with uh, the, the Irish media, and they were still, when I saw them at the weekend, I saw a couple of the guys, and I'm like, geez, you guys boys have a big night last night, because <laughs> they had the red eyes, bloodshot, <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, good night out, and it was like, no, we're still trying to get through that jet lag, you know, we're still struggling, so, yeah, I absolutely agree with the text, that the, 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 we can't blame a lack of preparation or not enough time, uh, the, the selectors also can't say that they didn't know who they had faith in uh, to, to, to pick for this series because they had plenty of time to, to get that right. Uh, and, you know, there were some omissions that people were raising their eyebrows about um, in the front row and in the Lucy's and, and the midfield and even in the outside backs uh, that they said, you know, these guys are who we believe in and we have faith in. And then you get to a test match where one, where, where one of the players, I think it was, that they possibly thought could play blindside flanker was ruled out or couldn't play and they had to put a lock there. So it's like, well, where's Peter Gussell-Kula and Hoskins Sotutu yeah. that you have faith yeah. in? Where have they gone? Are they all of a sudden not, not all blacks anymore? Because you've picked them. So the whole, the whole uh, I guess, synergy of the, of the All Blacks, the rugby union, the selectors and everything, it's just so out of kilter. It's really hard to fathom why we've got it so wrong as a collective. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And it's something that you talked yeah. about earlier in the season, Justin, is picking players out of position. And, you know, if you look at... Yeah. You know, let's take the loose forward mix for a, for, a, for a start. That loose forward mix is three sevens, two eights, and one six. The six didn't get a game until mm. the last test, and that was because Scott Barrett got ruled out. Uh, the one seven's yep. been playing eight. One seven has had the seven jersey, and in one test we started the third seven at six. I mean, and, and neither of the eights yeah. have had a start. So, I mean, I don't know what's going on. No, and that that's... Again, 
you know, a massive question over where, where it's going wrong because you've got you've got to believe that who you pick are the best people in the country in that jersey because we have such depth and such talent. You know, like I, I, another classic example is Jack Goodyear, righto? So they're telling me well, I believe I've been told that Jack Goodyear's struggling with his knee, not the one that he hurt, the other one. So if that was the case, why the hell is he there? Mm. Because we need an option at centre. If Rico is struggling like he is now, we need the ability to put a centre in there. You know, they gambled again on Roger Tuivasa-Sheck. And, you know, you know that I've, I I said, you know, quite openly, I said, I'm not sure, Ricardo. Mm. I, I, I can see the potential. But, you know, this is a tough test series that the All Blacks have got to play. You know, where is he going to play? You know, is, is, he, a, is he a 12? When, when you've got, you know, Tupaya and Havili in the mix, will he ever get game time? Are we wasting a position on someone that's probably unlikely to play? And then they went for a Hail Mary with him. They went, oh, well, holy moly, we are not making any line breaks. We are struggling to open them up. We'll throw Roger in there and see whether or not he can do something, which is unfair to him. So, yeah, there are lots of equations in the mix, like... What the hell is Caleb Clark doing there if his hamstring was never going to be right for the series? There's no point in having a guy there because what they do is they pick squads based on uh, tournaments. So at the moment, they had to pick a side to play the Irish. They should have picked their best side to take on the Irish and beat them. And then come Tuesday, I think it is, they pick a squad to play the rugby championship. Bang. Pick a fit group of players that can win that championship. And then bang again, they go on an end-year tour where I think they get the grace of a few extra players because it's a big overseas tour, and you pick a squad for that. So they didn't need to name players that they couldn't use. Why did they do that? That's a great question. It's a great question, Justin. Unfortunately, you know, you talk about Ian Foster. You you mentioned earlier is a guy that you can always go to and always talk to you and open up about stuff. Um, and, you know, we've heard from the All Blacks not long ago that they wanted a, a new direction in terms of the way they dealt with the public and the media and being more open and more transparent. Well, they were supposed to have a press conference today and they cancelled it. So I don't know what that says, mate, but I'd, I'd, to be honest, it doesn't. when they've cancelled that, that doesn't look good for the future of Ian Foster, I have to say. But we'll get into that uh, in a little while. I know Clayton McMillan is going to join us soon, uh, coach of the Māori All Blacks. So if you've got a question for him, 8833 is the text line, 8833, or a question for Marshy, get them into us and uh, we'll put those to Clayton after this. It's one twenty-two here on the Rugby Run on SENZ, Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you. And joining us now to talk uh, more footy is a bloke who's coached against this Ireland team in the last month. Of course, Clayton McMillan, the coach of the Māori All Blacks. Uh, kia ora, Clayton. How you doing? Kia ora, man. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. That's a story, mate. That's a story. This Irish team, of course, uh, um, have have done what has never been done before by an Irish team. Won a, a series against the All Blacks on on our soil. Of course, they drew a series with your team as well. When when you went into the series, what was your focus on how you were going to beat the, this Irish team? Oh, look. We um, first of all, you just acknowledge that you know they're a pretty formidable team. They've been on a huge upward trend the last couple of years, and. Um, you know, that was going to be a hard task for for both the Māori All Blacks and the All Blacks to, to get a get a result against this team, albeit at home on our own shores. Um, 
yeah, for us, we had a, a fairly young squad, 11 new debutants. So, you know, part of our, I guess, our philosophy heading into the campaign was to give every member of our team some meaningful minutes to help grow the depth of talent um, for, for the Māori rugby team. Um, and also to sort of, you know, stay true to Māori rugby identity, which was to give give the ball a bit of air and, you know, showcase our, 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 our talent. Um, probably didn't pay off too well in the second game. We were probably overplayed, but... Um, certainly didn't lack for any endeavour. Clayton, that's a really good point you made, and, and thanks for joining us. Uh, I was watching that game, and obviously they're a very good defensive side island. They, they do frustrate you into becoming defensive orientated, but I watched you in that game, and the conditions probably weren't suitable uh, as much as what you would have liked to be able to open them up, but you did get good um, space on the outside. Was that something that you saw that you could exploit them in? Well, we had a bit of a run run or kick philosophy, so we wanted to run first and kick second, and, and in, our running, yeah. in our running game, it meant we sp- spread the ball to the edges and used our wingers to kick in behind fine grass if, if the running opportunity sort of fell away, and in the first game in particular, we got um, some good reward out of that. Uh, the second game, like you said, the conditions were, were pretty awful. Um, and I just felt we, we really overplayed in our own half. We certainly got some bends and opportunities um, mm. out wide, um, but we weren't you know, clinical enough for long enough to sort of turn those into points. When you think about the, this type of style, you've mentioned that the, the Māori traditionally play in. Is it hard to get that balance between entertainment and winning rugby games? Oh, yep. I mean, I think I said at the press conference afterwards, you know, our people want to see us playing um, entertaining rugby. And um, in the modern game, sometimes that can can be at your detriment. You know, like teams are highly organised defensively. And if you're you're not accurate or you play too much rugby at the wrong end of the field, then any sort of lapse in concentration, turnover of ball, um, giving away penalties gives access to teams like Ireland, um, you know, access into your 22, where they're really efficient at, you know, striking and, and getting rewards from the from the 22 meter entries. Can I ask you, and you know, you can you can answer this honestly, or you can sort of sit on the fence a little bit, which I totally respect. <laughs> uh, is there is there any is there any synergy between you and the All Blacks? So. You know, for example, we saw Cullen Grace come in. Was that something that the Māori uh, decided that they needed, or did the All Blacks have a play in that? And equally, after you've played, do you have conversations with Ian Foster to say, hey, this is what we saw in terms of trends, the way they're playing? Is there anything there, or are you two separate uh, entities? No, no, we very much work in... Um in, co- in collaboration, you know, in the lead up to naming our side, um, I, I was having regular conversations with Fozzie around who he was likely to select and who might be be available for the Māori team. Uh, we had some general sharing of information and discussions around what we were likely to encounter with Ireland, um, and yeah, and then it was really we were really left um, to sort of. To our own autonomy to go away and and put a game plan together. There's not, there wasn't any influence around that sort of stuff. But in terms of team selections, 
um, in some sharing of some 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 IP. That, that those conversations definitely went on. Cullen Grace was a, a slightly different scenario. Like he had always known that he was Māori, but was a little bit shy and putting himself forward because it's not a it's not the the sort of the world that he's been brought up in. But through Tamati Ellison um, understanding his whakapapa and sort of getting in his ear, we found out about his elig- eligibility quite late and we're fortunate enough to be able to bring him in as an extra player um, for the campaign. So really grateful about that and you know, he would have learned a hell of a lot and he was a great addition to our team. Wow, that's very cool to hear. What? Okay, what, why are Ireland so good? Are, are they actually... Do you feel the second best team of the world? Are, are they that um, high regarded as from where you've seen it and you've coached against them and seen what they've done also against the All Blacks? Oh, I think they're a very good team, no doubt about it. Um, sort of my observations um, are that they, are, they they understand intimately how they want to play the game and each individual understands with the same level of intimacy what part they have to play in that plan. Uh, and they execute it very well. So yeah, they've got a high pass-to-ruck ratio, um, which keeps defences like, uh, you know, honest for longer. Um, they've, they've always got a sort of a checkout option. If, you know, plan A is a norm, then they'll go back door, they'll go front door. So they're just, they've got a really good understanding and a good, good feel for their own game. And, and as I said, they execute it really well. Clayton, we... Uh, why we, can't we... Oh, sorry, uh, why, Sorry, sorry, Ricardo. That's all right. Why, why, why can't we open them up, Clayton? Why, why can't we... Why can't we bend their line? Why can't we make line breaks? And Are, are they that good a defensive side or are we struggling to try and get our cohesion? Um, oh, mate, I, I can only really comment on the game that, you know, the games that I was involved with where... You know, to be fair, we were playing. We weren't playing against a team. I would imagine that has the same caliber as the ones that we saw last night. So, um, look, I think there are opportunities there. You just have to be courageous enough to take them and um, and accurate because they they will be equally as accurate. And if you make mistakes, um, they're pretty good at you know punishing you for that. Particularly if you give away penalties, they'll kick down to the right end of the field. And you know, once they get that sort of into your 22 highly structured and as I said they all understand the part they have to play in their systems and execute really well so definitely some opportunities there and you know I think um, when I look at the All Blacks we've, we've had some disruption around COVID that has potentially affected the continuity of selection um, yeah and I mean they'll go away and they'll be you know reviewing um, you know really hard against themselves looking in the mirror and finding ways that they can be better next time they take the part. Great to see the Māori uh, get the exposure. Uh, what's, what's on the calendar uh, going forward? I'm not too sure, mate. I'm pretty sure that there's... Um, well, I've got no doubt that, uh, you know, the, the powers that be at New Zealand Rugby are, are, are beaving away in the background trying to get a programme together for next year. Um, I, don't, I don't believe that the Māori will be playing again in 2022. Um, but we've been fortunate to have had a program, you know, every year uh, for as long as I can remember now. And um, you know, what what we learnt was that we really enjoyed, you know, playing those Tier One nations and 
and we're you know, really grateful for that opportunity. But you know, we, we don't want it this year to be a one-off. We want it to become a regular occurrence for the Māori team to be testing ourselves against um, against you know Tier One nations. And and I think it, I think it's beneficial for New Zealand rugby to have you know those outside of the All Blacks getting that level of experience too. It's only going to grow our our ability to compete against them. Um, you know, across a, a wider um, player group. Clayton, we had a we have had a, had a couple of texts come through. People, uh, I put it out there that we were having you on, and uh, that people can text through and ask questions. And this has come through from JJ. He said on the first two games of the tour, which he's meaning the, the the first game against the Māori All Blacks and the first Test. Uh, both the ABs and the Māori All Blacks both found room to attack and a way to stifle in, in defence, but they adapted for the last three. Do we have the ability to adapt and change the way they've done, or are we too easily read? Uh, we, we, yeah, firstly, you've got to give them credit for, for learning very quickly. I think we, you know, both the Māori and the All Blacks did get you know, a lot of opportunity in those first two tests, and they've certainly you know, tightened everything up um, and seeing, you know, how they can squeeze the life out of out of us. A lot of it is around, I reckon, around the breakdown. They, they're really smart around how they commit numbers there to attract more attackers and then therefore reduce, you know, your your ability to attack um, out wide. Um, good at slowing ball down, like just good overall, you know, management of the game. Um, I still think that there are plenty of opportunities there, but as I said, you've got to you've got to be brave to to take them, and you've got to be accurate enough to hold on to the ball for long periods of time to force them into you know giving a penalty away or waiting for an opportunity to present itself. Clayton, the um, you, Marsh, you mentioned you know the program potentially for next year. What what else you might have coming up? We have seen, of course, the Pacific Nations Cup. There's been a, an Australian team playing against uh, Tonga, Samoa, and Fiji. Is that something that you think uh, the Maori All Blacks should be involved in, or would like to be involved in in the future? I'm not a hundred percent certain if I'm correct here, but I, I believe that um, we may have had an opportunity to be involved this year in the Pacific Nations Cup. But the, the opportunity to be involved in a two-match series against Ireland was just too compelling. And mm. you know, I think um, if well, I've watched a bit of the Pacific Nations Cup, and it certainly looks like if all those teams are going to be involved moving forward, that you know that's going to grow legs, and and potentially the mighty team could be involved, but. I think the Irish series for for the for Māori rugby has been fantastic, and I'm I'm loath to say that you know we should have turned that opportunity down to go and play in Pacific Nations Cup because they don't those opportunities don't come around too often. Yeah, no, no, that's fair, mate. That's fair. Hey, listen, thanks for coming on, mate. I really appreciate your time. Go well, and um, hopefully we can talk to you again soon about uh, you know what the Māori All Blacks have coming up, eh? Yeah, no worries, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, Clayton McMillan there with us talking about things from a Māori all-black perspective. Of course, he, he coached against that Irish team twice. Uh, I guess you'd call it the dirt trackers in the old all-blacks parlance, uh, Justin? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but no doubt, you know, they're, they're a very well, uh, I guess, organised side, aren't they, Ireland? You know, like, you, you look at last night when Jameson Gibson Park, who I thought was outstanding throughout the series, gets taken off the field with 15 minutes to play. You bring on Connor Murray, who's playing his 99th test for Ireland and British and Irish Lions. 
Um, you know, you, 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 six, six and who we thought, you know, Ireland couldn't function with uh, without. Uh, you know, Joe Carberry comes on. He's a good player, you know. Um, but they obviously, they lose Ringrose out of the centres and bang, Bundy Arkey comes on and probably is the player of the match. Yeah, so, you know, those, those dirt trackers, they, they are all pushing, pushing the, the starting 15, which Andy Farrell knows quite conclusively that he can rely on. Um, but the, the, the dirt trackers are keeping those guys on their toes and that's what makes a good team function, competitiveness within a squad. Yeah, indeed, mate. Indeed, 24 away from two here on the Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. Another all-black halfback is going to join us next. It's 20 away from two here on the Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you. And joining us is another former all-black halfback and Steve Devine. G'day, Steve. How you doing? Ricardo, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Um, A question for you. Um, After last night, what's your take, mate? What's your take? Uh, well, for me, personally, it hasn't really even been about last night. I I haven't seen much of an improvement from the AB for some months now, like even until the end of last year. Probably going back to Africa last year, when we, we should have beat Africa comfortably, I thought, and we just didn't play well. And I don't think we've put a test together very well since then. Um, I, 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 I can't see a bigger plan. I can't see a, a game plan. We're trying to trying to adopt. I know we've um, we've gone out sort of the back door a couple of times in the back snooze and that sort of thing. But I, yeah, I just don't see any real direction from, from anyone across the paddock uh, over the last sort of six months. So, you know, that's that's my concern. I, 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 um, yeah, I just don't think they're gelling. And I, I, I think the one game they put a performance in, um, um, to be honest, Foster wasn't there because he had COVID for the week. So that, that's sort of where I'm leaning at the moment. They're, they're pretty directionless. Stevie, look, being a typical halfback before the series started, and people are saying it'll be a entertaining test series, and Ireland are a good side. In the back of my mind, I went, yeah, but we're the All Blacks, and we don't get beaten at home. Not only in test matches, but uh, series, definitely not. So I expected us to win three nil. So what I want to put it in perspective: Are Ireland that good, or are we that far away from them and off our game? That the, the 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 series loss is not substantiated. Mate, I, I just I don't think we've evolved. Like at the end of last year, we played Ireland up there, and, and to be fair, they should have put forty points on us. You know, they were that much better in Ireland last year. Uh, you know, I, I I'm embarrassed to say, but I actually had money on Ireland in the first test, and I thought they'd win. And you know, I thought it'd be horrifically close. You know, I, I thought. I didn't think we'd win all the matches. I, I certainly didn't think that, and I know Ireland are a very good team. They they play a game where they play a game where there's so many runners. They you know you're made to make one-on-one tackles with them. It's, they're not running into brick walls, and you know, and, and then on defence, you know, we see that's all we seem like to, we were doing all, all the, you know for the last three tests, just running into a brick wall all night. Um, you know, so they've got a very good system. They play together a lot up in the UK. You know, I, I think I think they're going to number one in the world at the moment from last night, and I think they probably deserve that. Um, them and the French are, are, are the two outstanding teams in the international rugby right now. You know what really bugs me though, mate. What bugs me at the moment is how, how we are so saying Ireland to this, Ireland to that, Ireland to this, Ireland to that, because. Our DNA is 
everybody's always trying to catch the All Blacks. So how, how have we slipped so far down the pedestal that all of a sudden now we're saying, and giving compliments to the opposition, and we are also saying we should be doing that. We should be playing like they are. Because it, it makes me yep. think, where, where do we go from where we are now? Mate, this is what I've hated about the All Blacks in the last year, is that uh, we're so hell-bent on this uh, flat attacking system that, like last night, we catch the ball, we catch the ball standing still, and then we try and run into contact. And, you know, it's just not working. It hasn't worked. No no super rugby team does it. You know, all the super rugby teams, they, they get the ball, they, they try to keep the flow going, they, they, they're running hard into contact. And... And yet we get to the all-black system and we think that this flat attack is going to work and we've been persisting with it for years. And to, to be fair, the, the, the defensive systems around the world are, are, are too good for that now. And uh, it's just not working. I, like, as a defender, I know what I'd rather tackle is a guy catching the ball standing still and then trying to build pace into contact or a, a guy catching the ball at full noise coming into contact. I know which one I'd rather tackle. And, and, and that's what it seems like. I counted tackle after tackle last night where we... Well, we just we call the ball standing still, and then we're trying to run through people, and it just it just can't work like that anymore. We've we've got to be better. You just look at the Irish; they had big men in motion. They called the ball; they were running hard, and and they were, they made the, through good passing. They put themselves in a position where it was a one-on-one tackle, and and a lot of the time they beat that tackle, and and that's what it came down to. Then they're at the advantage line, and then they're a hard team to stop. You know, we really struggled to get front foot ball. We really struggled to get, except for that 20 minutes in the first test. You know. We really struggled to get front foot ball the whole test, and that's you know this 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 reasoning of of must be flat on attack is just it's just not working for me. I can't see it working. I haven't seen it working. Uh, it's time to move on from it. So, have we have we got have we got are we picking the right players? A, and then B, if we are, is it then that we have got the right players but we're not playing the right game plan? Well, mate, I, I, honestly, I can't even see game plan. Like, last night we're behind and we have a scrum in sort of our own half and we throw it to Will Jordan, the littlest man on the field, to, to take a hit up off a scrum. If my under-13s team did that on a weekend, if they threw it from nine to a, to a little winger to, to beat it up in the midfield, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd pull them off and I'd give them a grilling. You know, that's just, it's, it's unacceptable. If that's what we're trying to achieve, if our game plan is to put the littlest man on the field into a back line, then... Then, then we've got to we've got to ask some questions. You know, we had the best attacking number twelve in the world, and we let him go, being Lamapi. And now we're gonna we instead of that we're gonna use our, our smallest winger to do it, who's who actually should be a fullback. You know, the All Blacks. They, they, we played Super Rugby for the last six months in, in guys in key positions, and, and clearly Will Jordan has been the standout number fifteen in, in the competition. Like no one can argue that. And he gets a start on the wing, you know. And and to be honest, you know, the try he scored just after half time, you know, that was from a full-back's line underneath the post and he ran an inside ball. Yeah. You know, I just, I yeah. made, we're playing people out of positions. We don't look like we have a game plan. The game plan we do have, um, and the question why we're using it. And, um, and and then, like, take take results away. Take, like, just say we won all the games. Take the results away. You know, they're still not playing good rugby. It doesn't look like they're all on the same page. And to me, that comes down to the coach. It doesn't come down to players. You know what? I I think you've nailed it. And it's hard to say, isn't it? But you, you get this feeling when you're watching them 
that we're not utilising the talent we've got and we're not playing good rugby. I felt that even at Eden Park, and even the statistics backed this up, we weren't the better side. Like they had more possession territory. Um, they made us make, I think, 70 more tackles than them. So, Mate, but you leave out that was great and things were going to get better. You leave Sexton on the field at Eden Park, and I, I bet there was a different outcome. Yeah, absolutely. So, so where to from here, Stevie? I know you, you're not, you're a great man that doesn't like to mince his words. What, what gets well, us out must, of this hole that we're in? We have heard from the All Blacks for the last thirty years. You know, it's not about it's not about any individual. It's about the player, and it's about what. It's, sorry, it's about what's best for the team. So right now, what is best yep. for the team? And, and if Stu Foster, oh sorry, it's Ian Foster. If Ian Foster asks himself that question, I can't see him being coached by by six thirty tonight. That's there you go. That's not mincing any words, mate. What's best for the team? That's the question that needs to be asked right now. What's best for the team as a new coach? Yeah. By the sound of it, Steve, that's what you're saying. Mate, yeah. There's just mate, it's, it's the same mistakes every week. Um, you know. If, we're not winning the kicking battle. We're not. Uh, we're not attacking. We're big, strong rugby players that play super rugby who like to run and throw the ball around. Yet we turn up in an all jumper and we've got to be turned flat on attack. And you know, we're just we're not carrying and we're looking around. It's just it's just not it's not gelling. And, and to me, I've had coaches that when it's been good, you know, everything is easy and everything goes well. And when we've had coaches that haven't been good, then you know, then, then that's what we get, and that's what I'm seeing from from where I'm looking. That's what I'm seeing. It's, it's just not gelling at all. Yeah, good stuff, Steve. Thanks very much for coming Thanks. on, mate. Really appreciate your time. Cheers, guys. Good Cheers. luck, Joe Smith. <laughs> Steve Devine there with us <laughs> on the rugby run. Uh, we are 10 away from two. We're six away from two here on the rugby run. And, uh, Marshy, we do uh, have a, another break to get away before two o'clock, but I will ask you this question before we do that. Uh, this question has come in. Um, do you think our halfbacks should stop doing the box kicks? They just seem to give good possession away for little or no gain. Smith's one in the first minutes was telegraphed and just gave them easy ball from which they rolled downfield and scored. Yeah, I do. It's all part of our overall strategy. Like I think I mentioned it last night numerous times in the commentary that we don't seem to have had any ability to adapt or adjust our kicking structure. So we, we've, we're basically leaving ourselves in a position where our only go-to is to go to the box kick. We're not winning the ball back. And what we're doing is giving it back to the opposition inside our own half. And these are from predominantly from kickoffs. And, you know, you look at the way that Jameson Gibson Park uh, and, and the rest of the way that Ireland's kicking structure comes about with the versatility they've got, bringing James Lowe in, it's just much more balanced. And it all comes down again to tactical game plan. You know, what are we up to? Are we thinking about the consequences of what we're doing or are we just being robots? That's what worries me about how we are out there executing uh, what I believe the players have been told to do and are not being instinctive. 
Good stuff, Marshy. We'll be back with more. The rugby run continues after two o'clock. We'll take your calls on 0800 150 811. 0800 We'll answer more of your texts. We've got a bunch here on double eight double three, and keep those coming through as well. And Matt Burke, the Wallabies great, will join us as well, and we'll talk about that Australian series against England and the reaction from the other side of the ditch to this All Blacks performance. All that and more to come on the rugby run. Yes, it's just gone 2 o'clock here on the Rugby Run on SENZ, Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you. And uh, this just in from New Zealand Rugby CEO Mark Robinson. Uh, If you want how bizarre, how's this? Uh, Congratulations to the Irish rugby team for their well-deserved win last night. But clearly the performance across the series for the All Blacks was not acceptable as we know they have reflected. We all know there is a huge amount of work to do. Our focus now is to work with Ian and his team to understand thoroughly in advance of the rugby championship what is needed to improve performance and where to from here. We will begin this work immediately. Uh, Justin, to me, that does not sound like they are considering a change. Yeah, look, I'm not surprised. Um, Appropriate music too, there from uh, Ben. I really appreciate that. Um, But... uh, there's, I don't think they're in a position to do that, Ricardo. Uh, look, there's no doubt that that is probably the main talking point today about you know where the All Blacks are, how they're being coached, what their game plan looks like, why they're being comprehensively outcoached and outplayed in a test series by a side that they should and haven't um, lost to, uh, you know, should beat and haven't lost to on New Zealand soil for 117 years. So all of those things come in to the equation. But, you know, we, 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 look, the, the thing for me is, so people out there understand, I'm not a, a, a bigger picture guy. I'm a right in front of you guy. So right in front of me is the next test, which is for the All Blacks, South Africa in the high belt. I'm all about winning that. I I understand how people put major focus on Rugby World Cups. I get that because I played in two of them. But they they, they, they basically didn't exist 30, 40 years ago. So your main focus then as an All Black was what's right in front of you and preserving our history. And at the moment, we're not doing that. This current side, uh, under under the regime, and it stems back to Steve Hansen as, as well, has recreated our history to a negative. They've lost to Argentina for the first time in our history. They've lost to Ireland for the first time in our history. Uh, they lost to France, I think, for the first time in uh, was 20-something years. Uh, and now they've lost a test series and a game in New Zealand for the first time in 117 years. That's right in front of my nose, and it's pissing me off. I, I, don't, I understand looking towards the rugby championship, Mark Robinson. I understand towards looking at a World Cup. But our history is more important than that. It's what we build our our money, our foundation on in, in all back rugby. We are about winning every test and making sure. I'll give you the tip, mate. I, I, I took my cans off last night in the centre ground, Nismet. Well, that wasn't great. And I said, there's two teams that'll be licking their lips right now and probably asking the All Blacks to be on their shores right now rather than in November. And that's Wales and Scotland. Wales haven't beaten us in 69 years. And Scotland never had, but they'd be hoping that that all-black team was arriving there because all of a sudden, again, they can change the course of history for a positive, whereas we are trying to preserve 
what's gone before us, and at the moment, that is not happening. It's not happening, mate. It's not happening at all. Um, and there's a lot. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to be talked about there. They did have this. We've got Graham on the line. He's going to join us shortly. But before we go to him, I'll just ask you this one, Marshy. There's a text that has come through. Uh, you're close with Razor. Where does he think Razor is at with coaching the All Blacks? Does he think he would bring something different? And would he take the job if offered tomorrow? Does he fit the NZRU mould? Doesn't happen that quickly. Like, the New Zealand Rugby Union had their opportunity. It was there in front of them. They had a selection panel, which I took umbrage with. I wasn't entirely sure that someone like Graham Henry should be on it, given historically that he'd been involved with Steve Hansen and Ian Foster over a decade. So he was a decision maker. I was thinking, well, do you not think he's going to be slightly biased? Anyway, he was involved. But the crux of it is the New Zealand Rugby Union had an opportunity to go, okay, this team has been formidable. They've created a great legacy and they have enhanced the jersey. So what they are doing is not wrong. So should we just continue to do what we know that they can do and put the person in charge that will take us into the future and at the end of the day, they are pretty much losing nothing. But they also recognise that the writing was on the wall. Pre-World Cup, when we started to drop some tests, and leading into a World Cup that was unsuccessful, there were some warning signs. But they didn't feel that they were valid enough to make a change. If I'm Scott Robertson and I'm sitting, and I do know Razor really well, and I'm sitting in, in, in his camp, I'm thinking, well, it's a, it's a hand grenade being thrown at me because, you know, this is a team that's entirely dysfunctional. Uh, there, there's obviously problems internally. Uh, they're not performing on the field. I've got a small little window to try and change things around. And equally, I'll put this to you, Ricardo, and to the listeners out there. If you're Scott Robinson, would you pick that team? That squad? No. Probably not. Nope. So all of a sudden, yeah, he will go, well, you're not in, you're not in, you're not in, you're not in, you're not in. And I'm bringing him, 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 him in. And all of a sudden, guys that you were rooming with, you're not rooming with them anymore because there's new faces in the squad because the coach needs those faces to get the All Blacks to where they need to be. It would be a massive upheaval. And secondly, if you're Scott Robinson, you go, right, if I'm coach, well, this is what I want. And he will completely clear the, clear the, um, the slate. He, he, he will want his assistant coaches, his manager, his physio, his um, mental coach, blah, 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 blah. Can the New Zealand Rugby Union afford to buy out not only Ian Foster, but everyone else that's involved? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a great question, Marshall. I'm, I'm sure Graham uh, out of Christchurch has got a great question for you as well. G'day, Graham. How are you doing? Oh, g'day, Ricardo. How are you, Justin? Yeah, good thing, Graham. Good? Oh, yeah, no, just um, on a lighter note, uh, great words, by the way. Uh, I was at a Canterbury Rugby Expo today, and there's a <coughs> three of your ex-teammates were speaking, Casey Lavelle, uh, <coughs> um, Corey Flynn and um, Richard Lowe, who you played briefly with at the start of your career here. But, um, yeah, yeah, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a big, and you were one of the um, the great players they had. The you know you'd match statistics, and you and your Canterbury jersey play, playing in the early 2000s by the looks of it. So I just sort of tell you that. Yeah, it was nice. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah no. no, it's very nice. Obviously, great, um, great, great memories, and uh, yeah, it's always uh, it's always a good time catching up with people from the past, isn't it? And um, yeah, it's, it's hard to put a. A good spin on rugby today, though, Graham, to be Oh, I know. Well, that, that was a bit of a diversion. Rugby fan. 
That's right. Yeah. No, I agree with everything you said. I mean, you, with you said, with, with what you said, particularly about the, you know, the internet, the interview panel, I should say, you know, in 2019, after the World Cup, when Henry was involved, and, you know, and, and obviously Steve Hansen made it pretty clear who he wanted to replace him with, yeah. you know, yeah. Foster. I mean, he came out, said it, and he said it again last year too, about this time last year. But yeah, that that interview panel was. Um, <clears throat> I think that got up a lot of people's goats actually. But on the game where we are now, which I think is a result of all of that, nearly three years ago. Um, yeah, I mean it was a shambles last night, and um, yeah, people were out of position. Um, yeah, and, and all you know, it was just. I mean, last week was a shambles, partly because of the rules and the referee, or the interpretation, TMO, and all that. But last night was um, <laughs> was 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 worse in some respects because of you know the All Blacks were masters. You know, the Irish played very very well, but the All Blacks were masters of their own um, demise in many respects. You know, I'd I'd like to have seen Richie Mwanga get a game. You know, after the loss last week, he didn't. Um, stuff like that, but. You know, and that's, you know, he had David Avili with him, but um, they didn't go with that combo. So, you know, I agree with what you say about Rico Ioane, the, you know, fine finisher, but um, they got this idea that he's a centre. You know, I know you've got some thoughts on that. I've heard you say, but, yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's what I've got to say today, Justin and Ricardo. Yeah. Thanks very much for your call, Graeme. Your thoughts on on what Graeme said there, Marshall, particularly around, uh, you know, sort of Rico Ioane and maybe some of those midfield picks? Yeah, look, I, I don't, I don't um, take umbrage with the fact that we've all got, and we will always have, and I've been a part of this, you know, like there was plenty of people that thought that I shouldn't be selected, and that's fine, because that's what makes New Zealand rugby healthy, is the fact that we have opinions, and, and opinions make people better, and make them make sure that they don't have any complacency, no doubt about that, but I think, you know, I've, I've made it quite clear that I'm not, not entirely sure that the, the, the All Black selectors and the All Black coach are picking players uh, specifically for positions that they're the best at. You know, like I think Steve Devine said it, look, you've, you've quite clearly got the best fullback in the country and, and, and possibly in the world that you're making an exception for um, because you need a goal kicker in the mix. Uh, and, and, you know, that's not disrespectful to Geordie Barrett because he's a hell of a player. And, you know, I, I've, I've said that I... You know the way he plays and where he comes, where he finds himself on the field, and also hear, hear our little adverts going on within scenes in between the ad breaks, where uh, they're talking about talking specifically on podcast to players and have Richard Moonga, and then they have Geordie Barrett saying, "I can't say that I haven't sat in my hotel room thinking about how I want to play 12." <laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. You know, but but he's not playing there, is he? So. Yeah, you know, what Graham is saying is, is right, you know. Um, we're, we're fixated on the fact that Rico's a centre, yet he's, I think he's one of the top try scorers, or was, prior to, uh, up until the Lions, where he's playing on the wing for the All Blacks ever. But all of a sudden, he's now our major centre. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's lots of factors that are at play big time. Yeah, indeed there are, mate. Indeed there are. We've got Matt from Rotorua as well. G'day, Matt. How you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, uh, guys. Um, I'm just going to put it out there. Um, something I've observed probably in the last few years, and tell me if you think I'm I'm wrong here, but do you think that what we're seeing is, um, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere unions, 
they appear to have overtaken us on SMC or strength and conditioning. Um, it just seems they're producing, mm. particularly in their forwards, these massive guys that can just carry and play this really power game, and, and we just seem to be struggling to sort of contain them. Whether it's whether we're tackling them, we seem to be kind of be throwing backwards, and when we've got the ball, um, we're just struggling to go forward. And I just wonder whether it's a, maybe time to revisit what we're doing with S and C. It's a really valid point, Matt. To be perfectly honest, and you're bang on. Like you look at the French back back row, they are big, strong men. And they are hard ball carriers, and they are physically as well very mobile. So you know, usually you get that, I guess that uh, spin-off of if someone's big and strong and carries hard, they're going to be weak in the fact that they don't have the the lung capacity to keep going for 80 minutes. The Irish back row, Bundesliga, he he is still over 100 kgs, and he throws himself around like nothing else. The back row. Uh, of, the, of the South Africans in recent years is big and strong. The two teams that I think are off where the, the world is trending, believe it or not, are Australia and New Zealand. Mm. We, we are not... Mm. Like, Adi Savier for a number eight is small, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, we even saw it with the box in Japan. We kept hearing about how, you know, playing the World Cup in Japan... Um, harder fields, we're going to need mobile, you know, niftier athletes. And, well, that didn't hurt the box. Look at the sort of forward pack they put out. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is, again, this is picking specific players in their jerseys. And at the moment, we are still messing around with that, you know. We, we are not picking players specifically for where they will fulfil their role. Uh, and I think I've been the strum Ricardo since the start of having I since Super Rugby that mm. somehow we seem asphyxiated with finding a spot for someone if we can't fit him into a spot. <laughs> and that to me really belies common sense. It really does. It's like, well, you know, why? If the guy's not, mm. if, if, if Will Jordan is not the best fullback in the country, he's on the bench. There you go. Mm. Yeah. And, and so yeah. All, all, the, all the country go, oh no, we can't do that. Let's stick them on the wing. And you think the team's going to be better for that? Well, quite clearly, they're not. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for your call, Matt. I really appreciate it. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. This, this is the Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. And on that, Marshy, I mean, you know, if this if this setup were selecting the All Blacks when Dwayne Monkley was around, he probably would have got 30 tests because they would have found a way to get him into the team. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's kind of how it feels. Um, the great Matt Burke is going to join us shortly uh, out of Australia. We'll catch up with him about the England-Australia series and get his thoughts on what he saw out of the All Blacks as well over this three-tier series against the Irish. So 19 past two here on SENZ, the rugby run. Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall with you. Just struggling to get hold of Matt Burke at the moment, but we'll uh, keep trying and get him on for you. Uh, before too long, had a few texts through, uh, Marshy, that need to get through. Uh, this one from Simon. Uh, can you get your thoughts on this? The All Black coaching camp looks toxic. The players go into camp on great Super Rugby form and then inexplicably, lo- inexplicably, explicably, I should say, lose all form when it comes to test matches. Well, I think that's quite clear, to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't think both the Barrett's in the form that he was in for the Blues. I uh, certainly don't think Richie Moonga is in the sort of form he was for the Crusaders. He, he came onto the field last night, and you tell me what what a difference he made. Like, it was hard to even notice that he was out there. 
Uh, yeah, there's certainly you know, the likes of Cody Taylor. Um, players are seemingly struggling in that environment for some reason. Now, look, there's no doubt about that. The step up from playing Super Rugby when you've got a little bit more time and space uh, into an international where you're playing a top five tier nation is significantly different. So you're going to struggle a little bit more for the razzle-dazzle and the exposure. Uh, but there is clearly something amiss within that uh, game plan because it's not enabling players to thrive. And I, I certainly don't disagree with the fact that in that environment, certain players who have been in form all of a sudden are really struggling to you know, be in form and play well. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, mate. It's certainly really noticeable. Um, I uh, and and I don't know what they can do about that other than change the culture, right? Or at least change the way it works. Uh, this other one is a little bit tongue in cheek. That says the fact that he was called Ian and not Fozzie in that statement from New Zealand Rugby means we should be looking at changes across <laughs> the coaching team. Yeah, well, I guess you read into it what you want, but look, there's, there's no doubt that that. You know the, the the pivotal decision that is needing to be made at the moment. But I, in my mind, they already made it. They made their mind up. Um, you know, six months or eight months or whatever it was ago when Ian Foster came up for review. They were already at that stage. Given that there were some warning signs, you know, losing losing those two test matches on the end of year tour, uh, losing to South Africa. Uh, in, in the championship, I think we might have dropped a game to Australia as well. I might be wrong about that, but you know there there were warning signs there that things weren't quite as good as they should be. Mm. But yet again, they decided, no, no, we are happy with our decision, and we're also very happy that this is the coaching regime to take us through to the Rugby World Cup. I would be very, very surprised. In fact. If uh, if they would look to revert on that decision, and and again financially, I don't believe they can do. They had an opportunity to a financially get themselves out of that mess if they thought it was a mess, uh, and and b clearly move on quickly and set a new pathway. You know, six months ago or whatever it was when they reviewed in Foster, they they at that time decided differently. If they change their mind now, I will go he big time. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing too, mate. You know they they did, they made that decision before we played the South Africans, and that for me was a bit of a head scratcher. But uh, we will talk more about that yep. a little later on because uh, absolute legend of a bloke has joined us on the line uh, out of Australia, Matt Burke. G'day, Matt. How are you? G'day, boys. I'm well. And you guys? Yeah, how are you well. Coping? Not 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 great, mate. Um, honestly, uh, last night within uh, and uh, within I reckon thirty minutes of the full time whistle, I had seen about four memes about Foster, um, and oh, yeah. I, and somebody had already started a petition a petition on change.org to have him sacked. So I think that tells you everything you need to know. It's ruthless, isn't it? Um, you know, we. Uh, I just listened to uh, you know the, the the comments just a second ago that you guys are having a chat with, and and it's always going to be the way, isn't it? A coach is always going to be under pressure when they lose, when a team wins. It's always about the players. Um, I suppose that the difficult part about it is um, how much do you stick your neck out as an organisation uh, with uh, what are we, uh, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 months out from a World Cup. Um, do you change it? I was sitting next to Mertz last night um, up in the um, uh, the SCG watching the test match 
and uh, actually he had a, uh, a yellow scarf on as well, so you might want to have a quick chat to him about yeah, that. We'll do. But, ah! um, yeah. <laughs> but um, it, it, it's, it's one of those ones where the the coach is always going to cut the blame. Um, do you change? I don't think so. Uh, it, would they admit to, you know, would, would the board admit to making a mistake in saying, hey, look, we're going to say goodbye? Uh, you know, Razor Robinson, is he the one that uh, perhaps should have got the start early on? Um, I don't think anyone would change. The status quo will stay uh, in amongst all of the, the people blowing up uh, and the public blowing up and wanting their say. Uh, I think, you know, this close to World Cup, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't change. Must warm your heart, though, Berkey, because if you're looking like you are from the exterior, <laughs> you know, like, they are not playing well, are they? Like, this is not no. a team and rhythm that you're used to seeing an all-black team play, like the structure, the game plan, the precision is well and truly off. So, like, when I say warm your heart, you're thinking, oh, well, we've got a couple of tests against them. That actually might be pretty good to try and get that bledders low back. <laughs> Yeah, mate, that's been a while, hasn't it? Then you won't have to call me <laughs> to have a chat. Um, do you know, do you know, Marty? It's 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 a hard one because you never want to see uh, you never want to see people fail, you know. Like and 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 not not that it's um, um, uh, you know success is the be all and end all, but you know you, you, there's got to be a a, a realistic uh, marker about it as well. And at the moment. Um, you know, has the rest of world rugby caught up to New Zealand rugby? And 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 maybe that's the case. You know, like you you have players in time and players in moments, uh, and and you talk about sort of you know world 15s and that kind of stuff. And you know, New Zealand has dominated you know that world 15 market for for so many years. Um, and maybe now just the the ledger has just evened itself out a little bit. You know, I look at that world rugby rankings at the moment. You know, France uh, one, Ireland two, South Africa three. I think it was you boys four. Uh, you know, there was obviously you know a bit of noise made about that being at that level. Uh, England five, Australia six. Now I don't know if the rankings have changed overnight with the, with the results, but certainly what we're seeing out of Europe is is the style that they're playing uh, is certainly being one combative and, and two stressing uh, you know our our teams as in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and and when it goes to the field, um, you know these these close wins are. Uh, are going in favour of the of the Europeans. So, look, maybe that's where we are at the moment. Um, but you know, look, I, I, I look, mate. I, I take no delight in in, in seeing pain of, of other people. I, I want to see you know good football. Look, I, I I didn't mind Ireland winning last night either. You know, I, I wasn't. I'm not cheering to say you know that's a loss in New Zealand. I'm cheering to say that was some good footy being played. But you're right, Marshy, in, in regards to the way they're playing and and the and the you know, uh, the specificity, if that's the word of being on the ball all the time. And it's just off. Because when we played you blokes, it was on the whole time. And you had a, you had a, a, a nanosecond to get it right. And if you got it wrong, you got paid for, um, you know, big time. Well, I must admit, Berkey, when I somehow managed to scrape myself out of bed this morning after uh, drowning my sorrows <laughs> last night, I did have a little smirk on my face when I saw, oh, bloody Australia lost as well. It may be just ledgers there, even uh, the ledger. Yeah, is Dave really under pressure or? No, no, I don't, I don't think so, mate. No, like, you know, like, it, 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 it's like I heard from the, the, the chat just a minute ago, you know, reviews have been in place. And, and, and look, I think, I think it comes down to, uh, but, okay, so here you go. I'm, I was disappointed last night in the way they played the game from Australia's perspective. 
you know, they had the opportunity. And, you know, Marshy, as you know, you, you, when you're playing test matches at the highest level, you get one or two opportunities. And Australia had two opportunities in the first couple of minutes to play uh, and score, and, and, they, and they failed. You know, like a pass uh, that went to ground, two passes that went to ground. And you're just sitting there going, hang on, boys. Like, you know, th- this shouldn't be the case. You get an opportunity to do it. You train under yeah. pressure. You should be able to execute those skills. So that was the disappointing part. I suppose then, you know, it, it was graft from, from England's uh, perspective um, in, in regards to Australia had most of the ball. First test, second test, Australia had no ball in the first couple of minutes. Uh, England were big and strong. It, it, Australia played last night. Uh, and sometimes... You need scoreboard pressure. Uh, Lolasio misses that first one. They miss it, and they miss a try when Tupac goes through, uh, executes a poor pass. Uh, another uh, another mistake uh, that could have led to a try. So you've got to take those opportunities uh, against the, the top teams. England hung in there. England, you know, went into the the halftime break uh, in the lead uh, when they had no ball, and and you just know that wow, this is going to be a graph. So look, there's 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 time and a place to to play, and there's a time and a place to build scoreboard pressure and. Australia didn't do that last night. But in, in regards to Rennie under pressure, no, nah, not at all. Yeah, he'll have to redefine how he plays in his backline attacking play. We, we, we were sitting uh, end-to-end last night watching the game, and a lot of it was very lateral. Uh, and that out-the-back type play, which is becoming so in vogue these days, uh, I think they need to be more combative uh, in, in a way. Go watch the way Ireland are playing and up front, uh, in front uh, ball rather than behind because, you know, as you know, that behind ball is so easy to defend. You just slide, slide, you know, put pressure on the way through uh, and um, and put the heat on out the back and all of a sudden you're, you're 25 yards behind the, the advantage line. Uh, Matt, we got obviously the, the, you know, you lost the series 2-1, but you played some good footy and I, I guess that's the difference between what, you know, we're looking at here with Ian Foster and what you're looking at with Dave Rennie is that, you were breaking England open and you were creating chances, but you know player skills mm. on the field were letting you down. Whereas from an All Black point of view, it doesn't feel like we we're even able to uh, tactically break Ireland open and create those chances. Yeah, uh, and it's, a, it, it, it's an interesting debate in regards to you know how we're breaking down the game these days. I reckon you know defence is becoming so important, uh, or so well. How can I say this? Defence is come, becoming such a big part of the game where uh, I, I, I feel the sway in the game is becoming in favour of defence. Uh, you, know, you watch guys now tackle the breakdown. The skills at the breakdown now are just um, you know, uh, quite incredible to, to win the ball back. And if you don't have a support player, uh, you know, fair up your clacker to, to be able to clean out, you're, just, you're not winning that ball. You know, we saw Courtney Laws, you know, so many times uh, last night where if Australia did go through the tackle player, they're onto it like a, you know, the, the jackal as they call it, and uh, and winning the ball. And you just, the guys are so strong, you just can't clean them, clean them off the ball these days. Um, so there, there was a positive in, in that regard. Um, I, I I I feel where you're coming from from a uh, from a perspective of breaking down teams and and understanding where to go. And I think that's the frustration that. Uh, that my, my Kiwi friends are, are looking at saying, you know, why and where and how. So uh, is that the smarts of the players? Perhaps is that is that the game plan, which is obviously comes under a, a coaching regime? Um, you know, it, it does as well. Uh, but I suppose that in saying that, uh, there's game plans. And sometimes the opposition game plan is just better than your game plan. Uh, 
the smarts on the field is, is how you get about that. And that's, you know, that was the guys like, you know, when you're playing, uh, you know, you boys back in the day, that was like Marshy and Mertz, you know, be able to say, right, we need to, you know, start playing down the other end of the field or we need to throw the ball around. So that's the, the smarts of that, uh, that perhaps a, are lacking at the moment uh, on on the field. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's the real worry. I think um, it's. I mean, we had Steve Devine on last hour, and he said, "I don't see a game plan." I watched us. I don't know what the yeah. game plan is. What, what what are they trying to do? Yeah. Um, because it didn't look like we we had one. Steve is a, um, uh, not a massive fan. I think it's fair to say of Ian Foster. He suggested uh, the All Blacks <laughs> mantra of the last thirty years has been what you've got to do what's best for the team regardless of the individual. He said if that's true, then yeah. Ian Foster's resigned by six thirty this evening. Was his take? Yeah, and and, and you know what I. I, I... The interesting, there was an interesting call with you know, Michael Checker. I go back to Michael Checker, for example, and, and he was a uh, uh, successful businessman uh, outside of uh, of taking on this opportunity for for, for coaching. Um, a lot okay. of coaches are making decisions uh, for themselves because of of their own self interest. Um, where Checker sort of went, well, mate, I don't really need the job, so if I want to be abrasive and, and sort of you know, ruffle feathers, I can. And it's, it's an interesting. Um, uh, dimension in, in that regard. So if you're purely coaching for a wage, uh, you're under pressure. Uh, if you're coaching for the love of it, um, uh, which a lot of people can't do because, you know, that, that this is their job, this is their career. Uh, it's, it's such a, it's such a massive call. And, and, you know, will, I, I'm just wondering, will public pressure, uh, have an influence on, on Ian Foster at the moment? I mean, I'd hate to be in his shoes at the moment. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be going outside walking down the street getting a coffee this morning if I was Ian Foster, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, Berkey, I wanted to ask you just briefly about the way the game has evolved. So what Ireland said about a year ago was they wanted to cut out their long passing. So what they wanted to do yep. was make their pass at one to two metres, and they scored a magnificent try last night from that. Um, and, and they've shown that the whole series, you know, their short little passes are all, you know, not, not giving the defence time to get in their face and shut you down. Are, are, are mm. the Northern Hemisphere tactically more onto it than what we are? Because they are quite clearly playing a really good game plan that they know well and are executing perfectly. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, uh, Marshy, you're talking about that because I was watching some rugby league uh, you know, a little while back, and Andrew Johns, who you know, the eighth the immortal as he is, was was talking about um, that long pass and the outside in defence and the long pass. And he said it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a fool's goal when you try and throw it over the top because it looks fantastic, uh, but the ball, you know, twenty metre pass looks fantastic, but the ball's so long in the air, and then you can you can literally readjust and slide from that. So he's talking about the short passing is uh, is the way to go. You've got to be combative enough to be able to, to take that short pass, knowing that you're going to get hit if you if you um, if you go down that path. But yeah. what I like about the game uh, in in the way they're doing it, and and maybe it's a throwback to when you know we were sort of you know running around in that sort of you know end of nineties two thousands. You know, this, and this is this is Australia and New Zealand. The interpassing of uh, of play between players was, I think, a massive part of why the game and the continuity of the game kept going. Uh, it's it is becoming one-off type stuff now. Um, you know the, the amount of times nine passes it to a forward, uh, uh, it ju- it just kills me. Like I mean, you've got your playmaker number ten, which yeah. should be the bloke that you should be passing the ball to the whole time, 
Um, and so maybe you know that that needs to be a readjustment or reassessment of of how the game is actually being played. I, I like the short passing, short passing, inter passing because you go for a hit, the ball goes off again, and all of a sudden there's no there's no actual target to get to, and and you're passing the ball uh, and you're moving that point of contact, which. Yeah, I mean, this is what I teach the kids and the, the little under tens and elevens kids. You know, move the ball. Don't don't be an easy target. And I think at the moment, when it goes one out, you're an easy target. And and you know, the boys are big these days and they're hitting hard and 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 getting across the advantage line. When there's one bloke on on double hitters these days, you know, it's getting sort of you know, uh, the defence is so strong uh, that you know to win that contact, unless you're flying, um, you know, you, you're going to get bashed on the way back. So. Maybe that short passing is a um, is a return to the past. Good stuff, Matt. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate your time. Go well, and we'll uh, catch up with you ahead of a, a Bledisloe Cup, which will probably be a hell of a lot more nervous than uh, than than usual from this end. <laughs> uh, good on you, boys, uh, mate. I um, I look forward to you know, chatting soon and uh, catching up. Take yeah, care. good stuff. Cheers, Matt Burke. There with us <laughs> out of Australia. Uh, plenty of texts coming through. Double eight, double three, double eight, double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine, or 811 We'll take your calls between now and three o'clock here on the Rugby Run with myself and Justin Marshall. In today's Voltaren Rapid 25 wrap-up. Chile have qualified for the Rugby World Cup for the first time after they beat the US 31-29 in Colorado to win by just one point on aggregate. Santiago Vidal's penalty in the 75th minute put the South Americans in front for the first time in the clash on Saturday and sealed victory. The US had won last week's first leg 22-21 in Santiago. Chile will be in Pool D at the 2023 World Cup in France alongside England, Argentina, Japan and Samoa. back pain get in the way. Get fast relief with Voltaren Rapid 25. Read the label user directed. If symptoms persist, see your doctor. Incorrect use may be harmful. Do not use if you have stomach ulcers. GSK Auckland. It's 17 away from three. And Marshy, we've got a bunch of texts to get through here. This one has just come through from Rob. I'm keen to get your thoughts on this. Hey, Justin and Ricardo, great show. Congrats to Ireland. They played magnificently. As for New Zealand, only Savia and Jordan would make a World 15. Bowden's has been thoroughly outplayed by Sexton, even though the guy's pushing 40. Aaron Smith is also at the end with his emotional responses. Nowhere near what a physical international halfback truly needs. Looking forward to a new era under Razor and Jason Ryan, with Cullen Grace at eight, Mwanga at ten, and Savia as the seven and captain. Cheers, Rob. Well, get it. <laughs> no, possibly, no. possibly. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, look, I, I, I think I said I hopped in the rental car last night um, on my way back after the ground uh, to to our hotel, and boys were in the car, and I said, I'll tell you what, lads, you take uh, Artie Savia and Will Jordan out of that team tonight. And where's your inspiration coming from? Mm. Like, honestly, uh, they, they were quite clearly two of the All Blacks' best players. Uh, the one, the, the two that looked likely to either create or to score themselves. Um, you know, that, that's what the worrying side of saying that is. It's like, usually you can take a couple of players out of the All Black side and there's 13 others that will create and pose threats. But last night, you'd have to say that those two players... Uh, um, were uh, uh, far and away a bigger distance than anybody else in, the, in that side of making or creating anything, which is, again, a big part of the problem. Um, so, yeah, lot, lots for uh, the um, 
selectors to think about as well when they're looking at how to best utilise those players as well in their best positions. Mm. Another one that's just come through. My thoughts are the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. The All Blacks are always evolving, and I believe they've stagnated under Foster. That is uh, from Shane. I, don't, I believe they've stagnated. Yes, absolutely they have. Uh, they, they, they looked like they had evolved a little bit in terms of their shape when I watched them at Eden Park, uh, hitting that sort of fourth runner and, and, and giving away from the traditional tip. Um, so second or first receiver tipping on to another forward, which was allowing the defence to come to them. They put them under pressure. Instead, Aaron Smith was throwing quite a wide pass, getting outside that third and fourth defender. That island, um, that island we're putting at them, and then you sort of create a little bit more stress. Uh, for some reason or another, then they went away from it. Uh, and, and the other side of it was they were, they were, I think I said it last night in a commentary as well, they're very predictable in their, in their shape where they go maximum of one to two passes, and then they go back to where they came from. And Ireland read that really, really well the whole series, and they just left players there. So when that structure went back to the to, to where it had come from, there were defenders there shutting them down. So, you know, you have to you have to question the game plan, the management of the game plan, and that's not just the coach. Like at the end of the day, when I was out there with Mertz or Dan Carter or Carlos Spencer or whoever it might be, we were massively responsible for making sure that what we saw in front of us we were able to we were able to maximise, you know, and if that meant changing what we've gone in there with and a preconceived ideas of how we could open the team up. We adjusted on the field. Are these guys doing that? I don't think so. Mm, and that's got to be a question around leadership as well. There's been plenty of texts about that. Um, yeah. uh, this one as well just came through. Last year we criticised the Springboks for putting up a bomb over the try line from one of their first attacking plays. Last night we did exactly the same. Are we out of ideas? We used to innovate and lead the world. We've been caught asleep at the wor- uh, on the world stage since 2017 and haven't brought anything new. Yeah, look, I like to say, I, I feel that we, we needed to, absolutely we needed to evolve because we were being figured out big time. And when I say by being figured out, you know, what we were doing was still, it was still good and efficient and effective but good sides with great line speed were cutting us off from getting the ball to where our major threats are. Now, there's no, I don't think there's any debate that New Zealand major, our major threats are always from centre out. Great players with speed and power and footwork and, and, and the ability to you know break any team in the world open. It's just about getting those guys the ball with space and time. And the, and the game plan that they had been using over a couple of years wasn't doing that. So it was like, right, well, we need to now negate the line speed that's cutting us off, formulate a new game plan, and make sure that we can get those players into the game because that's when we're at our most lethal. That hasn't happened. I think they've tried, but whatever they've tried is not working. And we end up basically getting stagnated slow ball and then resorts kicking it away. And that's not healthy.
Uh, it's not healthy. It's not helping. Always better to have the ball in hand than in the oppositions. Uh, is 12 away yep. from three here on the rugby run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. When we come back, we'll discuss which of those te- which of those 15 that took the field last night for the All Blacks will suit up in South Africa next month. Eight away from three here on SENZ. This is the rugby run. Mike Texan, Justin, uh, what impact the red versus yellow card for you? Uh, and what about Jordan to fullback and Geordie to 12? Yeah, no, I'm, I've been banging that drum. I think the way that Geordie is playing the game at the moment, he's not giving the All Blacks enough width because he, he wants to gravitate towards the ball, which is great because he wants to carry. But because of that, that narrows your attacking line. And often we see him first or second receiver. He's basically playing like a 12. So why not give him the opportunity to play there? Certainly think that he's still playing well. I just don't think he's got the right jersey on. Uh, Obviously last night there was another uh, red-yellow card uh, style decision um, that came about, which was very similar to what happened to uh, Angus uh, Ta'ovol in in Dunedin. which I guess there was always going to be a little bit of debate about. Uh, I believe both of them were similar, uh, very similar. In fact, probably last night uh, it was more, uh, I don't know, the player probably had more time, the Irish prop had more time to get himself in a better position than what Angus Tarvel did, yet he got a red, uh, Angus Tarvel, and three weeks suspended. Um, The only thing that I can say about it is, which I like, so we've got to put this in context, Wayne Barnes, different referee, different mentality. He 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 saw for saw it for what it was, and he didn't want to ruin the game because he didn't feel that it needed to be ruined by a red card. Conversely, the week before, which again was probably even uh, less of circumstances with less reaction, different referee thought differently, and uh, you know that's all I can put it down to. But I, I applaud Wayne Barnes' attitude. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I I like the way Wayne Barnes refereed it. It's just, I guess, from a fan point of view, consistency, yeah. right? You know, you want to see that. You know, I think well, Wayne, I Wayne Barnes refereed it correctly, but yeah, no consistency week to week. Yeah, yeah, I knew that was coming, and I, I, I and I, I understand that. I do understand that. But what what happened last night should have happened the week before. Yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, no, exactly. I totally should have been yellow the week. Totally agree yeah, with you, mate. Yeah. Totally agree with you. Uh, lots of lots of people texting and asking what Silver Lake will be thinking about their investment right now, and um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe that's got something to do with the delayed press conference from the All Blacks. Good stuff, Marshy. Hey, listen, mate. I hope you can get home tonight. I hope that you've managed to find a flight for you from Wellington Airport, and uh, that you've managed to find yourself a, a, a nice frothy one to keep you keep you busy between now and then. Hopefully I'll do that on the flight, Ricardo, but I can tell you, I'm sitting here in my car just outside the airport and it's blowing a gale, so wish me luck. Good luck. Good luck, mate. You might be staying in Wellington another night. We'll see. Go well, Justin Marshall there. This has been the Rugby Run. We do it every uh, Sunday between 1 and 3 o'clock. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.